Hoosier United Methodist Podcast, episode number 27 with Reverend Beth Ann Cook. And so on Saturday morning, we'll be having pancakes at Ogleville United Methodist Church. And this is his project. He's loving doing this, and the church is affirming him. And it's a way that he's serving Jesus. Hi, this is Bishop Mike Coiner. If you are connecting with the Hoosier United Methodist Podcast with Reverend Brad Miller, doing all the good we can. connection in the United Methodist Church is essential to achieving the mission of making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. The Hoosier United Methodist podcast will help you and your church connect with key insights, hear inspiring stories, and learn from successful pastors and people making a difference in United Methodist churches in Indiana. And now, here's Brad. Hello, good people, and welcome to the Hoosier United Methodist Podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. We are so glad to have you with us here today. I am Brad, and it is great to have you a part of the Hoosier United Methodist Podcast and our growing family of listeners around the state of Indiana and many points beyond. Our purpose and our mission here at the Hoosier United Methodist Podcast is to strengthen the connection in the United Methodist Church in the state of Indiana for the purpose of fulfilling our mission as an entire United Methodist Church of making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Transformation of the world is our key, but it really starts with the transformation of the individual. And for United Methodist clergy, we all who are clergy are evidence of a transformed life. Many of us have grown up in the church. That's certainly in my case. Many of us have had the church as a part of our uh, everyday life. But that's not always the case. There are some folks who grew up in in uh, agnostic, even atheistic, definitely unchurched backgrounds, but have had some sort of relationship with Jesus Christ that has come through some sort of a event. Maybe it was a, a dramatic event. Maybe it was the witness of a friend or a teacher or uh, somehow being drawn to a special event at a church, perhaps a vacation Bible school that transform their lives to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And some folks then go on to make the commitment to be, become clergy and even, even United Methodist clergy. Such is the case with our guest today, Reverend Beth Ann Cook. Beth Ann did not grow up in the church. She grew up in a decidedly unchurch household. But when she did become a believer in Jesus Christ, everything changed for her. She has held an incredible passion for helping others to know Jesus Christ because of her own experiences of being transformed herself. And that has led her to being really devoted into the church and being a pastor at uh, many United Methodist churches. She presently serves the Ogleville and Rockford United Methodist churches in the southern part of Indiana. 
and she's also been involved with many other aspects in life and ministry in the state of Indiana and indeed around the world. Her passion is church growth in places like here in Indiana, but also global church growth, particularly in Africa. She has been connected with missionaries and pastors from places like Burundi and the Congo. And she has noted how how quickly the churches have grown in that part of the world, some 14% a year growth. And she's really interested in how we can, how we can uh, real, realign and reestablish resources to help those churches grow. She's also very involved with the Good News Movement and has been a, a spokesperson for in many aspects of the Good News Movement of, of the church. And she has been representative of the Indiana Annual Conference at the last three general conferences. She is all about going to where the people are. And she tells a great story of going where the people are that involves gourmet pancakes. I think you're going to like this conversation we have with Beth Ann Cook. Let's get into the conversation right now. understand my call to ministry, you have to know that I didn't grow up in the church. I was secular and religious, grew up in a family that celebrated Christmas and opened gifts and ate the ears off chocolate rabbits at Easter, but really didn't have an active faith. And so when I encountered Jesus, I, I really had a passion for helping other people know him. And so I'm an evangelist at heart. And that's a big part of what I do and why I care about the general church level. At the local church level, I'm having an awesome time. I I got one of the best gigs in Indiana United Methodism. They appointed me to two wonderful churches that are both growing with great potential. I followed a guy named Dennis Zetterberg, who has a gift for building church buildings. And both of them have wonderful new facilities. And we are small membership churches, but they're growing, and they are in high potential areas, communities that are growing. And we have lots of young people and children, and I'm just having a blast in ministry. Sounds like some exciting stuff's happening. Give us one example of a person or a situation that's been a really good thing in your local church setting. Well, I'll tell you about something that's going on on Saturday. We have a relatively new member. And he came to Christ in the last year, and he came, and I got to pray with him to receive Jesus and for him to be baptized, and also his stepdaughter was baptized the same day, and he's become active in Bible study, and whenever I teach discipleship classes as people are becoming members, I tell them that God has given them a a gift or a skill, something they're really good at, and he wants to use that for his glory. And so this man was praying about how God would use him. And one of the things he's known for is making gourmet pancakes for his family. And he'll do this on a Saturday morning. And so he'll be making um, banana or blueberry or chocolate chip, all these different kinds of gourmet pancakes. And he decided that God would use him that way by him doing that as a fundraiser for the new children's playground that we're trying to put in. 
And so on Saturday morning, we'll be having pancakes at Ogilville United Methodist Church. And this is his his, um, project. He's loving doing this, and the church is affirming him. And it's a way that he's serving Jesus. Well, that's great, because that shows a personal transformation, which is really what ultimately everything's about, including general conference and jurisdictional conference. And... uh, It really has to do with how we impact local church and those people far from God to get them in closer to God. So in terms of uh, general conference, a year or so, or in 2015, you elected to put your name in the the hat to be nominated and uh, eventually elected to be a general conference delegate. Tell us a little bit about your discernment process, about why you wanted to go for that in the first place, and how how it evolved for you to become elected and your process of wanting to do that. This will be my third general conference as a delegate, and uh, I really prayed about it the first time I put my name in the hat, and it was because I care about the direction of our church, and I have, uh, from my own journey of having been an atheist to where I'm at now, I have come to really believe in the authority of Scripture and the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want to see our church uh, really renew the Wesleyan principles that we were built on and that desire to spread scriptural holiness. And so that was was part of how I ended up putting my name in. Um, To be honest, after the experience in Tampa, a lot of us were discouraged. Some of us only halfway jokingly said we had some PTSD from the last night of Tampa. And I really wrestled with whether to put my name in or not. Um, But I think it matters. And so I am once again doing that. And I also work with some of the renewal movements. I'm on the board of Good News Nationally, so that's part of that process as well. Very good. Well, as far as going into General Conference then, you have some experience from the past, but what are some of the things that you carry with you? What are some things that you're passionate about? What are some issues or things that are uh, uh, to be dealt with there that matter to you? Um, Two years, or two general conferences ago, I became aware of the incredible growth that's happening in parts of Africa, especially places like Burundi and the uh, Congo. I've developed some relationships there, which Indiana has a unique relationship with North Katanga because Bob Walters of Friendly Planet works there. And so many of our churches have a relationship with people there. And I have really come to see the challenges that they have. They're growing over 14% per year by profession of faith. Um, Most of us can only dream of that. Which, of course, is a really dramatic difference than North America and here in Indiana. But uh, it does create its own issues and challenges. Uh, If you are in the desert, you have one set of problems. If you're in the rainforest, you have a different set of problems. But extreme growth means that you need additional changes in resources. So one of the things I care very deeply about is seeing our African brothers and sisters have the resources that they need to continue that growth and to disciple those new converts. Um, One of the things that they desperately need is more bishops. If you think about the areas over there, they don't have the road systems we have. They don't have the transportation available to them. And the geographic area of the Congo is enormous. And literally, we have bishops who are making pastoral care uh, calls into areas where literally you use a machete to get there to hack your way there. Wow. And so 
we need to realign our resources globally and truly become a global church. Mm-hmm. So you bring that passion into play, and of course, the general conference is the global church coming together, mm-hmm. and part of the situation, you get exposed to that, mm-hmm. and, and, and hopefully we can bring that back to our local churches and our state here. Yeah, at the last General Conference, I had the best gig at General Conference, which is to be in the legislative group that works with global missions because you really do get to meet people from every corner of the United Methodist Church. And so that was a great experience and how I developed some of these friendships. Wonderful. Well, given that... Um, context at your past experiences and what you anticipate uh, being important to you at this general conference. What do you think are, uh, uh, obviously you haven't gone yet, but what do you think are some uh, hopeful values or uh, takeaways that you can bring back to apply to both your local church settings and to our local churches here in, in our state? I think one of the things that I have learned from uh, some of the connection that I have made with our Central Conference brothers and sisters is to go where the people are. Um, In North America, we have had a you build it, they will come kind of attitude, Mm -hmm. and we're still learning how to be missional and how to go. Um, One of my friends that I talked to there literally goes out to areas where there are these mines and calls on on the miners there, and it reminds me of when Wesley was out Mm -hmm. uh, at the very beginning of our movement. And so I have to kind of pray about and look like, what does that look like in our context? And what does that look like at Ogilville and Rockford? Mm -hmm. And so we're trying to explore ways that we can go and be the body of Christ in our communities and connect with people who wouldn't otherwise see the church. What do you think of some maybe some pragmatic tools or understandings we can bring from things you've learned from Central Conference folks that we can do? What are, for instance, you mentioned some of the ways that you want to do that and you're planning to do that in Ogleville and Rockford. What's your thinking about some strategies or some actual implementation uh, ways that we can do that in our churches? Well, I think it begins with prayer. You have to really start with uh, asking God to, to guide us and show us where he wants us. Also, praying for uh, God to open doors and, and give us wisdom. So that's the first thing I have learned because they are a people of prayer. Mm-hmm. And also, I think, really caring about the people holistically. You know, there are a lot of challenges, especially in war-torn areas, and caring about people's needs, not just their souls, but, but all of their needs, is an important part of that. And it's one of the reasons that uh, people are flocking to the United Methodist Church in those places. Had a chance to visit Lubumbashi, Congo, and to meet some people there who were telling me about some of the ministries, and they really are coming alongside of people in their place of need. Wouldn't it be cool if we had situations where people were flocking to United Methodist Churches in Indiana, wouldn't it? That'd be great. It would be cool, but like I said, it's a different sort of problem. Problem. Uh, you know, you have to think about whenever Jesus was telling them, put the net down on the other side of the boat, and the nets were breaking because they were straining so much. Yeah, and yet those are problems that would be great to have. And so, and, and part of our 
strategy of making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world is looking for uh, is leadership and leadership development. And certainly um, our bishop, Bishop Coiner, is part of leadership development here in the state of Indiana, and he's retiring as of this year. And being the general conference delegate also means you're part of jurisdictional conference. And so that's part of the process is electing a new bishop, and of course we'll have a new bishop coming to Indiana. So tell us a bit about your experience in terms of preparing to elect new bishops and then some of the things our Indiana folks, our delegation, are looking for qualities and, and aspects of a, of a new bishop. I think that we are looking for a bishop who is going to understand the culture of our annual conference and get to know us and help us really have a vision and move forward. I've been watching some of the different delegation announcements of who uh, Episcopal-endorsed candidates are, and I'm excited about our candidate, which is Frank Beard. Uh, I would love to have Frank as my bishop. I don't think that they will send him back to us, but I'm excited about that. And we as a delegation are looking forward to getting to know some of those people, maybe even before we go to Peoria, which is where jurisdictional conference is being held. Very good. Part of the process is the transition from Bishop Coiner to whoever the new bishop would be. What do you think are some qualities that Bishop Coiner is leaving with us and some of the aspects of his ministry that are going to be valuable moving forward to a new uh, a new era? I think Bishop Coiner has been uh, very respectful of people at all levels and, and places along the theological spectrum. And I think that's very important for us. Indiana is one of the more theologically diverse annual conferences. And you know, many annual conferences are very progressive or very conservative, and we have both. So I pray that whoever we get will be someone who is able to relate well, um, be fair with, and work with people wherever they are in the spectrum. I think Bishop Quinner has been a very wise bishop in uh, really helping us focus financially and, and in other resources around our mission statement and our goals. And to look at how will whatever we do make disciples of Jesus Christ. Keep the focus on the main thing, Keep, right? keep the main thing the main thing. And I, I pray that whoever we have as our incoming bishop will do that as well. Uh, every new bishop is going to have different gifts and graces, though, just like every pastor that comes into a local church. And so we'll have to see what our new bishop, his or her gifts and graces are. Absolutely. And so but we are in a time of transition, and you're part of that process, and we appreciate your service that way. The only only question I got for you, Beth Ann, is um, I'd like to know just something personal about you in terms of something fun you like to do or some ha- ha- hab- a hobby or something for you. What's fun for you? Uh, well, I am a big Colts football fan, so that's fun for me. And I also enjoy quilting, and I just enjoy being with people. So those are things I like to do. Quilting and the Colts. How cool is that? Many, many, many thanks to Beth Ann Cook for taking some time to share with us here on the Hoosier United Methodist Podcast. I hope you heard that uh, great story she, she told about, about the member of her church who came to know Jesus Christ and expressed his, his uh, drive to give back to God through gourmet pancakes. Isn't that great? What a great, great story. Now, there's always a place to put the a place for everyone to be. 
but it all starts with a transformed life. It started with Beth Ann's transformed life, then she's able to translate that and interject that into the life of people in her church. And she certainly cares about about the life of, there's some lessons we can learn about uh, life in the local church and also how that extends globally and uh, into global missions in places like Burundi and the Congo where she is involved. I think uh, the key thing I would take away from this is what Beth Ann said, is to go where the people are. That's a lesson from Wesley, of course, and we can certainly take that from, from what Beth Ann is, has shared with us. We thank her for being with us on the Hoosier United Methodist podcast, where it is always our mission to strengthen the connection in the United Methodist Church in the state of Indiana so we can make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. You can always help us to help others by sharing good news stories with us that we can share those with with others here on the Hoosier United Methodist Podcast. You can contact us through our website, HoosierUnitedMethodist.com or at our Facebook Page, which is facebook.com slash Hoosier United Methodist, or our Facebook group, which you just go to groups, facebook.com slash groups slash Hoosier United Methodist podcast. And we have uh, ways that you can connect up with us in those places. And we hope that you will. We hope that you'll spread the word about the podcast to others who this may be helpful to so we can continue to share the good news. That's going to about wrap it up for here, this episode number 27 of the Hoosier United Methodist podcast. We follow the teachings of Jesus Christ to go and to go and not uh, hold our lamp under a bushel, to spread the good news in many ways. And we certainly follow the directions of our leader of our church, John Wesley, and his teaching to do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. We'll see you next time on the Hoosier United Methodist Podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. Goodbye, good people. Thank you for listening to the Hoosier United Methodist Podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. We challenge you to be an active listener by subscribing and becoming a vital member of the Hoosier United Methodist Podcast community. Visit us on the web at HoosierUnitedMethodist.com and chat with other members at Facebook.com slash Hoosier United Methodist. Until next time, continue to make disciples and transform the world.